welcome to the Sports Are Life podcast. We are joined today by Josh Choi, uh, who is a former wheelchair basketball player. Um, he's played um, in the Pan American Games, where he's won three gold medals. He's won on one silver in the world championships, and he's also a four-time Paralympian, where he's won two gold medals and one bronze medal, and the bronze is his favorite. Um, and he's also spent time playing professionally in Europe. Um, and then most recently, he is a newly elected state representative from Iowa, um, and he's the first permanently disabled member of the Iowa House. So I know the Iowa House is very busy right now, so we really appreciate Josh taking time out of his busy day to be with us today. So welcome, Josh. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to join you, and well done on the biography. That was all accurate. Good job. <laughs> um, so I guess, what is the first big moment that you remember having to advocate for yourself? Oh, you know, being uh, disabled and permanently disabled, especially, you know, as former spina bifida and being in a wheelchair, uh, I can remember very early on having to advocate for myself. I can remember being in first grade, actually, and them putting me into the remedial classes uh, just because I was disabled and having to advocate and saying, hey, you know, I, I understand what's going on just because I have a physical disability doesn't mean I have a a mental disability and uh, also having to advocate for myself. You know, I was bullied quite badly uh, in, in in public school. I actually ended up leaving public school in sixth grade because I, I was, and I remember advocating very much for myself there too. And, and saying, you know, I'm not just gonna put up with this. Uh, if, if the teachers and the administration aren't gonna do anything, then I'm gonna have to, to leave school. So there's been, uh, you know, from the very beginning, I, I, I think those of us in the disabled uh, population, we we learn very quickly that we're going to have it advocate for ourselves because it's it's only those that uh, that raise their voices and advocate that end up actually making change take place. Yeah. Um, so who did you look up to when you were young? Uh, well, basketball was my passion, and so a, a lot of my heroes were basketball. Michael Jordan was one. Uh, my earliest memory. Of, of basketball was uh, was basically like watching the the, the dream team in, in 92. So Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and all of those guys. And that's probably what inspired me uh, to want to enter into the Paralympic space and the Olympic space was, was really, that was what inspired me. But even closer to home, I, I, I think I've always been in, in inspired as well from like my dad and, and the amount of hard work that he put into things. and. He always told me from the time I was a little kid that he didn't care what we got into, but whatever we got into, that we gave it 100%. Um, we have some Bulls memorabilia around us. Um, so, um, awesome. We like Michael Joyal fans. Yeah. Um, what is at the top on the top of your mind in regards to advocate, advocating for people with disabilities? Well, at the moment in the space that I'm in, it's, uh, you know, being the permanently first permanently disabled member of the Iowa House, 
Uh, probably the reason why I ran for this position uh, was because uh, we we basically had an entire segment of the population, at least 15% of the population are individuals with disabilities. And be, to be able to give uh, this group of a voice and, and representation. And so what I'm trying to do is make change at a macro level and and make sure that the issues that we are having is is the disabled population and community uh, are, are being addressed, right? And we have a, a voice in, in advocacy for uh, real, real macro level change, which to me, the only place that that can take place is, is at the government level. So that's what I'm trying to do. And a, a lot of the bills that I've put forward are, are with that in mind, specifically related to the, the issues being um, that need to be addressed for, for us and the disabled population. Yeah. Hey, Josh, um, I was just wondering, there you have so many accomplishments um, in, as, a, as a para athlete. Um, is there any of them that stand out most to you? Uh, so any of the, like, like any, I'm, I'm not sure I understand your question. Uh, well, I, oh, I'm sorry. I meant to, uh, which ones are your, which one are you, you know, of your accomplishments maybe as a para oh. athlete? Are you? Oh, uh, I, I think in, I think in the athletic space, unquestionably the greatest achievement is the gold medal, right? I mean, that's the, the, the pinnacle of our sport in, in wheelchair basketball is the Paralympics. It's the thing that all of us are striving for, and especially the fact that we had gone 28 years as a basketball nation without winning a gold medal to be a part of that team to not only win a gold medal, but to win back-to-back -back gold medals. That That is unquestionably the, the greatest accomplishment of my life, uh, you know, and certainly bar none in, in, in the sports arena. And, and maybe now I think I could consider winning this election and by how close it was and how hard I worked, just because it's representing in, in what, what to me is a more meaningful way, maybe being the first permanently disabled of the Iowa House is, is, is on par with that. But yeah, anyone that's won a gold medal in the Olympics or the Paralympics, I, I think without a doubt will tell you that that's the greatest accomplishment of their life and the greatest memory of competing in sports for me. Do you have any um, any memories that stand out from that experience? Yeah, a few. Uh, you know, certainly the first time that you ever do something is is going to be the the most meaningful. And so, I'll I'll never forget being in Athens and and actually being able to put on the USA uniform for the first time. Um, another memory for me that's that I think might be actually my favorite moment in. In, in the singular game was in 2012 when we played the bronze medal game in London um, in that O2 arena, which is the largest arena in Europe. And, you know, the entire arena just being absolutely packed, 20,000 Brits singing God Save the Queen. And for us to, to win that game, and I played particularly well in that game, I think I had 20 points or something like that. Uh, and, and then to win my very first medal. And, and for me, that was a really long journey you know i i had actually i made my my first uh, paralympic team straight out of college but then a lot of people don't know because you know all the accolades i've won i ended up being cut six straight years from the from the national team and so that journey for me those six years without being there to finally win that first medal that bronze that's why i say that bronze medal that that's as meaningful to me uh and, and then obviously the the gold medals winning the very first one again is the most meaningful uh, that 2016 team to to win and to go down is the greatest team to ever do it. The closest anybody came to us in that Paralympics was 
18 points and to see the, the flag raised up and to have my family and my friends there with me. My wife was there. Uh, my parents were there. My, my sister was there with me in Rio. That was meaningful. And then, and then the last one, right? That was the, the end of the journey for me. And so my very last memory uh, participating in sports and in wheelchair basketball was winning the gold medal in, in Tokyo. Uh, and with that group of guys that we had been together, basically that whole entire run for those 12 years, that was, uh, that was a perfect finish. And honestly, the, the majority of us in sports, we don't get to pick our our finish line most of the time we're, we're shown the door and so for me to be able to to have my very last game wearing a usa uh uniform at that very very top level and and to finish with a gold medal it, it was the the story big finish it was perfect finish so those would be the ones that would stick out the most that's fantastic you know um charlotte and i were just watching the world baseball classic a little bit over the past couple of weeks and i mean i think one thing that that stood out for me was the passion that uh, some of these baseball players at the professional level haven't had a chance to represent their country and just yes. the passion, right. You know, and I think our, one of our favorite teams, the Cardinals had, you know, over a dozen people representing different countries around the world. Yeah. Um, and a lot of respect for each other for having that passion for representing your country. Yeah. Um, it, you know, Josh, one thing I noticed is the common theme here, you know, representing your country, as a para-athlete, you know, and then, you know, going into service for your country, you know, as a, as a representative um, in Iowa, is this, is, some, is there, is there a pattern there? Is there something connected to the values, you know, with you growing up? Um, yeah, just curious. I mean, well, to, to a large degree, it's patriotism, right? And, and it's, it's trying to do something larger than yourself. And that is, as you alluded to in, in your comments, I think the exact same thing. Uh, the, the Olympic level sports when you're representing your nation and you, you see it the same as of like the World Cup, right, in, in soccer, which is the world's largest event. And, uh, and then the, by athletes, right, it's the Olympics. And then the, the second largest event in, in all of sports in terms of total participants by athletes is the, the Summer Paralympic Games. It's much, much more meaningful, right, because you're not doing it for money. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it to represent your nation, right? And, but not only your nation, it's, it's your state, it's your family, it's your, your friends, it's uh, your community. And, and it was something that, was, that I, I never ever took for granted and was very meaningful to me. Every single time that I was able to put on that USA uniform, I would always take a minute and, and think about you know, my country and, and what it meant to me and having the, the, the true honor, right, of being able to put on, because only 12 of us are ever selected to represent our nation in, in wheelchair basketball, just the enormous honor to be able to represent my country and my flag. Um, yeah, that's, that's why uh, Olympic level sports are the very best because it's, it's bigger than yourself. Yeah. Um, so talking a little bit more about um, the advocacy um, side of things um, and accessibility. You've been to in many places in the world, some of which you've lived in and some you have traveled to. What would you say has been the most accessible place or has had the best attitudes toward disability? And what would you say is the most challenging? Well, certainly some of the most challenging would be the, the first world countries Right. I mean, to, to a large degree, uh, the level of accessibility oftentimes comes 
with the level of wealth of a nation. And, and so as you would expect, nations like the United States or, or nations within uh, Europe are, are certainly going to be the most accessible. Uh, some of the least accessible are like when I went to the Dominican Republic or Haiti, uh, Northern Africa, like Morocco or uh, Tunisia. These were areas that were particularly uh, difficult to navigate. Uh, but by traveling the world, you really, you, you learn a lot and it teaches you not only about yourself, it teaches you about the world, it, it teaches you uh, about the consequences of good policy and bad policy right within government. Uh, one of the great things about being here in America is that we have the ADA, uh, which was sponsored by Tom Harkin, the, the, the great senator for 30 years from here in Iowa. And it's due to that that, you know, so many of us in the disabled population actually have access to, um, you know, whether it's just basic transport or, or freedom of movement, um, education, um, it's, it's incredible. And I always felt like living abroad, it made me appreciate what we had uh, here back home in the United States. Um, you were the first permanently disabled state rep in Iowa. Have you faced any accessibility challenges around the Capitol building and or the office buildings? If you have, yeah. how have you dealt with those challenges? Yes, well, um, sadly, be, because there had never been a permanently disabled uh, member of the Iowa House, and there certainly had never been in a, a representative on either the Senate or the House side that had ever been a permanent wheelchair user, sadly, even though we were 30 years post-American with Disabilities Act, the Capitol was not uh, accessible. And so they've had to build a ramp for me in there. They've added a bunch of automatic door openers. And so I can very proudly say now that no, I don't have any issues navigating uh, the Iowa Capitol, but that is all very recent, but it's also something that I'm very proud of, right? That um, progress doesn't always come uh, immediately. Sometimes it's challenging and sometimes it's difficult. But one thing that gives me an enormous amount of pride is every single time now, and this has happened multiple occasions, whether it's children or whether it's, you know, older individuals that, that come through wounded veterans as we had in the Capitol. Now they're able to navigate uh, the, the Capitol completely. They're able to go through the House chamber. They're able to go down into the well. And every time I see a member of the disabled population using the ramp, it, it fills me with an enormous amount of pride. Because, again, uh, change is not easy. Progress is not easy. It's hard to come by. And... Uh, something just as meaningful as, as that, right? Just being able to have access to the building, also being able to inspire young kids, disabled kids as they come through there, seeing somebody with a visible disability in there, knowing that there's no glass ceiling for them, that they can achieve any goal, that they can do whatever they want. It doesn't have to be even in adaptive sports. They could be a representative, they could be a senator, they could be a congressman, a mayor, a governor, they could be president of the United States there is no glass ceiling for them. That's something that's really meaningful to me that I'm inspiring these individuals. Yeah. Um, what has the reception from your colleagues in the house been like um, having with you being permanently disabled and are they kind about it? Have it's you been incredibly, it's, it's been incredibly positive all of it from both sides of the aisle. It's been bipartisan uh, support. And I, I think regardless, even if people don't agree with me completely on my politics from across the aisle, I think they recognize that it was well past time for us to have 
a voice representing the disabled population and the 15% of us that are in the disabled community, uh, that it's outrageous uh, for, for that amount of, of that group to have no voice and no representation. So no, it's been, it's been absolutely uniformly positive. And, and uh, the, the great thing is within the Iowa House, and I'm not sure it takes place in Washington, is that even though we disagree on policy and we can have big debates and sometimes those debates get heated, there's an enormous amount of respect uh, amongst all of us in that space. And, uh, and I'm very grateful for that. So I've been very well received, uniformly uh, positive. Yeah, I think, I think that's, yeah, I think that's terrific. I mean, I know Charlotte just, I did participate once in the Teal on the Hill um, effort. And, you know, I know we've, you have talked to yeah. and, and people from the Spenda Metro Association have talked to people from both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Um, and there has always been a lot of support, which is fantastic. And I think, yeah. you know, we're any, any place that we can try to get to, you know, common ground is, is, yeah. is um, a step. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll also say this, that coming in here, I knew being, because I'm in the minority and the minority uh, trifecta, I have realized in a very short period of time that you're, that me, especially some of my political beliefs, I'm not gonna be able to make enormous change in, in the current way that everything sits. Um, but I do genuinely believe that there is willingness and opportunity to make change and advancement and progress for, for those of us in the disabled population and whether that's access to healthcare improvements, uh, ac access to, to jobs, right? Impro improving our, um, employment numbers, uh, there is on both sides of the aisle bipartisan support uh, for this. And again, I come in there with an immediate credibility um, with my with my education level and, and background, and I, I have an enormous amount of support. So I'm very excited about that, right? That in, in the next uh, year or two or however long I end up being in the Iowa House, that we're going to be able to actually make tangible, meaningful progress and change for the disabled population and have a, a, a voice for all of us Um, I think you touched on this a little bit, but um, what inspired you to get into politics and did you have any previous experience or role models? Uh, I had no political experience. Uh, I, I did have some role models and one of which as I, I spoke about before was uh, Senator Tom Harkin and knowing that he was the primary sponsor of the American with uh, Disabilities Act. Uh, what inspired me to run specifically is I knew that Tokyo was going to be the end of my basketball career, and I wanted to put myself in the most advantageous uh, spot possible. I'd done a lot of nonprofit work with some organizations, and I had made the decision that I was going to work as an ATP, Assisted Technology Professional, for New Motion because I wanted to directly be able to use the knowledge that I had and be able to actually assess and provide mobility devices, wheelchairs and power wheelchairs for the disabled population. I believe that having seen so many children and adults poorly assessed for equipment and particularly wheelchairs, I believe that there needed to be somebody with an intimate familiarity with the space to, to do it. So I ended up getting ATP certified and, and working with New Motion for about a year and a half for two years. I was working out of clinics with muscular dystrophy and ALS and working with these patients. And I kept seeing over and over and over this denial rate, particularly from the managed care organizations. And it was just egregious. And I started to do a little bit of research. And, you know, here are these individuals, particularly ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, 
these individuals don't have time for denial rates, right? I mean, oftentimes uh, 18 months and, and they can be passed away. Seeing these individuals having to declare medical bankruptcy, divorce their spouse, get down to their last nickel. I thought this is just not right. Did research and I've come to find out that the denial rates had risen more than a thousand percent since Iowa shifted over to the managed care model. And, and then doing even more research and realizing that we had never had any representation from our community, never had a permanently disabled member. And as opposed to looking around and, and whining and crying about why and, and why don't we have any advocacy or self-advocacy, I decided that I would step up at the plate and do it myself. That's the attitude you gotta have sometimes. That's right. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, so, um, so Josh, um, the last question is what's next? What's, what are you thinking about in the future? I'm not sure where, where the future is going to go. Right. I, I think it's a little bit of a, a, a disservice to, to this job and this position, uh, to look any farther forward, uh, too far. I can tell you this, that I really am honored and proud. I'm inspired every single day to go to the Iowa house. Uh, our beautiful capital. It's such a gorgeous building. And every day I, I go to work excited. I genuinely believe that this was the job that I was born to do. It fits my skill set, my personality, uh, my passions perfectly. And, and it really is meaningful work. It's hard work. It's long hours. It's not a lot of financial reward. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, it's meaningful work and it's meaningful to me to be able to represent the, the disabled population. So in the meantime, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to be able to be as effective uh, as uh, a leader and a representative, not only for the disabled population, but for my community, for my constituents, and to try to bring progress and, and meaningful change to Iowa. And where that goes in the future, I have no idea, right? We're, we're, we're not even promised tomorrow. So I, I, I do not know. Uh, maybe I, I think it's always been within my nature to try to achieve the maximum level. So maybe you'll see me at some point someday uh, make a stab at uh, a next level up. What, what that means exactly, I don't know. Uh, I, I would be perfectly happy and content to stay in this role as well um, for the foreseeable future because I, I truly do love the work and I love the position. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and, you know, you never know what doors are going to open down the road if you don't try right. something mm -hmm. like you did, you know, becoming the first um, disabled person to represent, um, you know, a district in Iowa. And, you know, it sounds like people in your district, um, they've got a great person, you know, representing them and that they know that uh, you've got their backs. Yeah, I'm doing my best to, to be a, a quality representative and uh, to do it with as much professionalism as, as possible. And, and, and that's all that you can ask um, from any representative. And I certainly am. I'm working as absolutely as hard as I can uh, to, you know, to provide a voice not only for our community, but for, um, for my personal community and my constituents and to, to put forth meaningful change in, in, in progress uh, because there's a lot needed. Uh, particularly for us in, in the disabled population. And I will continue to do that. And if anybody out there that's listening to this podcast, if there's anything uh, that you're dealing with or any issues that you would like to uh, see addressed, feel free to contact me at my legislative email and uh, I, I will do my best to address anything or, or do anything I can to help. That's why I'm here. So that's fantastic. I think once we put the show notes together, we'll make sure to include that information for people. Yeah, absolutely. And feel free to th throw on any of my, uh, whether it's my Turk for Iowa or my Facebook page or my personal Instagram page, whatever, 
uh, I'm more than happy to uh, to help out any way I possibly can. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah you. my pleasure. Nice to meet you. It's an honor, honor to join you all. Yeah, thank you. Have a, tr a terrific uh, rest of your evening. Thank you for your time. Yep, you Try as well. To relax care, I know you're very busy. Yeah. Long days with this legislator. Most of the days I'm 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 starting work about seven thirty, and then you can see I, I've still got the suit on and everything. Uh, a lot of days I'm not finished until nine or ten p.m. But like I said, it's it's long hours, but uh, I'm really really proud and honored to to be able to be in this position. So, thank you again. Thanks. Bye-bye.